Good morning. So good to see everybody this morning. Will you stand and sing with us? Away in a manger. Oh, wait. Oh, come, oh, come. Oh, come, oh, come, Emmanuel. And ransom captive Israel. And boys and lovely hands are here. Until the Son of God Now that you're warm. Close by 
something a little different. Will you be seated? We're going to sing another one. It's, this one's called, um, oh gosh. The angels cried. It's not my day. Yes. And this one, um, the words will be on the screen so you can follow along and sing with us if you like. I've often thought about that night and wondered if they realized that star so bright was sent to tell all the land the Son of God would soon become the Son of Man and the creatures gathered round stand back up and greet your neighbors and children can come forward to join us for a few moments of sharing.
Good morning. Are y'all doing good this morning? This morning we're going to be talking about something that's really cool. And before we start talking about it, I want you to listen to something that Miss Ann is going to play. Are you ready? Okay, listen. She said, hang on one second. Can y'all hang on one second? It's going to be worth it. Maybe a few seconds. Wow. Did that sound exciting? Was it worth the wait? You're supposed to say, yes, that was so exciting. Do you know what that was called that she just played? Trumpets, yes. It's called a trumpet fanfare. Do you know what a fanfare is? Any guesses? No? Okay. A fanfare is a loud, short piece of music that's usually played on a trumpet, and it's announcing the arrival of someone important. For example, a trumpet fanfare is often played when we're getting ready to see a king or a queen or maybe the president. The trumpet fanfare has been used to announce the coming of a king for many, many years. It was even used in Bible times. The Bible tells us in 1 Kings that when Solomon was crowned as the king of Israel, they blew a trumpet, and it might have sounded kind of like what Miss Ann just played for us, and they shouted, God save King Solomon. Well, the word fanfare is also sometimes used to describe a showy celebration around any sort of special event. There's always a lot of fanfare when a king is coming, right? Don't you think of loud, fun music that gets you excited to see someone important? Well, there was no trumpets playing and no one shouting when Jesus was born. There wasn't much fanfare for that king. And he was the king of kings, wasn't he? So that seems a little strange, doesn't it? Well, as we look forward to the celebration of his birth, which we're going to celebrate when? On Christmas. And we're also going to celebrate it together tonight. You're right. As we look forward to this celebration, we can be excited about it, right? Do you think? Can we be excited about it, even though there weren't trumpets playing when he was born in that manger? We can be excited today and greet him with a lot of fanfare and excitement, just like the trumpet fanfare. Miss Ann, can you play it for us one more time? Don't you think that's exciting? Now that you know what it means? Yeah? Okay. Well, today we're going to light the second candle on our Advent wreath. Does anybody remember what that stands for? We talked about it last week. Anybody remember what the second candle stands for? Peace. It stands for peace. And who is the Prince of Peace to us? Yes. So will you bow your heads and pray with me? Heavenly Father, we look forward to celebrating the birth of our King, Jesus. He is our King of Kings, Lord of Lords, and the Prince of Peace. May we greet him with excitement. Amen. Good to be with y'all this morning. I um, 
knew we would be a little bit impacted by the children's program later this morning at this service. Lots of parents and children that are normally here with us are waiting in the wings for the later program, but glad to see you here and glad we had this opportunity to, to be here this morning. Several, uh, well, before I make announcements, if you have some prayer concerns to share with us today, we invite you to do so by writing that on an index card. If you lift your hand, our ushers will get you a card, and if you'll please write something down, and I will share your concern with all of us that we might uh, unite in prayer for those things that concern you. And as we think about that, remember our folks who are part of our church who, are, who have been in hospitals this week. Donald Spearman had yet another surgery on his foot. Uh, so he's going to be uh, on crutches and in boots and whatnot for some time as he gets over that surgery. Carm Hudson, our 90-plus-year-old, very active church member, had to have surgery on Wednesday night about 9 o'clock. Um, had uh, adhesions and other difficulties exerting some pressure and blockage on her system, and she's doing very well. Uh, that's a strong lady. And then Martha Leonard is in, uh, both of these ladies are in the local hospital. Uh, Martha uh, had some congestive heart failure and is, um, may get to go home today or tomorrow from our, our local hospital. All preschool and elementary school children are invited to the Christmas party tonight uh, from 5.30 to 7 in the social hall. It's the birthday party for the king. So see Miss Katie if you have any questions. We look forward to celebrating with you tonight. We will take a break from Sunday night programs of Mission Kids choir and Bible study for the children so that they can enjoy Christmas season with their families. That will be resumed uh, after the new year. Our last Wednesday supper of this 2012, uh, 2011, <laughs> 2011 year is uh, Wednesday, December the 7th from 5.30 to 7 in the social hall. Menu baked ham, vegetable casserole, salad, rolls, dessert, and tea. There'll be activities for the children after the meal. Please join us for this time of fun and fellowship. Today, I believe, is the last day to order your memorial sweatshirt or hoodie uh, with a memorial logo and the Methodist symbol on it. This is part of uh, what our youth are doing to raise funds for their summer mission trip. So uh, we invite you to see the folks at the back table uh, Madison's back there right now, right? Um, to, to order the big good Christmas presents. So see these folks later on about that. Um, if you have your prayer cards completed, if you raise them up so that our ushers can collect them and we'll join you in prayer at this time. By the way, you know, we have competing chimes downtown now. We've got our church chimes from the steeple, and the uh, city has chimes coming from town hall, and it's not always easy to tell who's who. Let me just tell you that if you hear Silent Night, Holy Night, it probably is the steeple, and if you hear Grandma Got ran over by, Run Over by a Reindeer, it's probably the downtown folks. So that's about the only way you can tell. <laughs> Let us join our hearts 
together in prayer. Lord, thank you for the gift of prayer to us. We generally close our eyes so that we quit looking around and imagine the invisible world, the realm in which you fill that empty, as far as we can see, empty place with your presence and your fullness. And we thank you that with our eyes closed, we can imagine the greatness of eternity and the greatness of heaven and your presence there and as well as here with us. And we're thankful for the gift of prayer where we can talk with you about those things that concern us and where occasionally, Lord, our minds are still enough and our ears are open enough to hear you whisper words of encouragement and guidance for us. And for that, we're thankful. Here's our prayers for this day. We pray for a sister, Doris, with adhesions, for a cousin named David with a brain tumor. We pray, with, we pray for our troops in harm's way and their families and loved ones. And we pray that your presence would be felt uh, with the Edwards family. We pray for baby Julian Nixon the second, born the 26th premature. We pray for the baby and the family. We pray for a daughter suffering with Crohn's disease and a son struggling in his work. We pray for healing for Martha Gibson and healing for um, Michael Haas, for Carm Hudson, Wade Kinnett, and the Edwards family. We pray for a young man who had to go to the emergency room, and we pray for James. Lord, these are our prayers through Jesus Christ, who has taught us to pray, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation. Deliver us from evil, for thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. This time we'll call on Andy and Kelly, Caroline and Eli to lead us in the lighting of the Advent wreath. His name will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and of peace, there will be no end. Isaiah 9, 6 through 7. O come, desire of nations, bind all peoples in one heart and mind. Bid envy, strife, and quarrels cease. Fill the whole world with heaven's peace. 
This past week, uh, for about the <clears throat> umpteenth time, I moved my daughter from one apartment to another. And every time I do it, I say, I'm too old for this. And again, I say this time, I'm too old for that. I'm still, I'm hurting in places I didn't know I still had. Uh, but uh, anyway, um, uh, that made me forget to send Andy my PowerPoint for the day. So it'll be a little bit rougher than usual. He usually does such a good job doctoring it, but we will uh, we'll make do. Um, we tried to throw it together this morning. The, the sermon title is Joseph, the Only Forgotten Son. Scripture is from Matthew 1, verses 18 through 25. <clears throat> this is how the birth of Jesus Christ came about. His mother, Mary, was pledged to be married to Joseph, but before they came together, she was found to be with child through the Holy Spirit. Because Joseph, her husband, was a righteous man and did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. But after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. The virgin will be with child and will give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him and took Mary home as his wife. But he had no union with her until she gave birth to a son, and he gave him the name Jesus. On Mother's Day we celebrate, we pull out all the stops. I wonder why we never do the same for dear old pops. It's right that we give our gifts to mom and hold her in high esteem, but let's not forget that daddy dear is one half of the team. <clears throat> I was inspired to write those verses one year after a rather pathetic Father's Day. Uh, <laughs> And after our church put on a real wing-ding to honor the mothers one month and forgot all about the men the next month. Uh, when it comes to Christmas, it seems a little bit true as well. Uh, we honor Mary, rightfully so, for her faithfulness to God. But then we tend to overlook old Joseph. He's an also-ran, um, somebody we don't pay quite as much attention to. It uh, reminds me of the time that uh, I was in a Burger King with my children, and the lady waiting on us had a sweatshirt on that said, Guess, you know that brand name on it? And I said to my children, I wonder what she wants us to guess, her age? And my daughter looked at the lady behind the counter and said, I don't know who he is. Mama just hangs out with him. <clears throat> Even in the Catholic Church where saints were venerated at a very... Uh, and where Mary was venerated quite early. Joseph wasn't given any prominence at all until the 12th century, and it wasn't until just a little over 150 years ago that Joseph was given near equal billing with uh, Mary. That was when Pope Pius IX declared him second in rank to, to Mary. For so long, Joseph 
seems to be the only forgotten son of David. To some degree, I guess this is natural, we all feel a natural connection to our mothers because we were once one with our mothers. And somehow we don't feel quite as connected to our daddies, and that's on purpose, the way God intended it. Psychologists tell us, though, that our earliest concepts of what God is like is based on daddy, on our relationships with that other person over there, that, that separate being, daddy. And for that reason, God had to be very careful. If we really take seriously the incarnation of Jesus, and that is that he became human in every way and was a baby, a real baby when he was born, it was very important that God choose just the right man to be the earthly father who could guide Jesus so that Jesus would have the proper understanding of God's nature and love. It was very important that Jesus, the revealer of God, learned this from his father. What do we really know about Joseph? Answer is, not much. We think that Joseph had died before Jesus began his public ministry at age 30. Although this is based on largely circumstantial evidence, Joseph is never mentioned during the ministry of Jesus. And yet we hear a lot about Mary and Jesus' brothers and sisters we even hear about. But no mention at all of Joseph, which is very unusual unless he happened to be dead. Uh, this has led some people to believe that Joseph was much, much older than Mary, but that doesn't have to be the case. People do die still very young. If Joseph had died before Jesus turned 20, he could have easily been pushing 50. And that was pretty old back then in the first century. The idea that Joseph was much older than Mary was a tradition that grew up by the necessity of a doctrine called uh, the perpetual virginity of Mary. The church believed that, you know, uh, that Mary had one child and then remained uh, sexually pure uh, for the rest of her life. And that kind of goes against the teachings of the Bible because the Bible does say that there were uh, siblings that Jesus had. Joseph uh, and Mary had other children like James and Jude who wrote books that are in our New Testament. Um, there's really no reason to believe that Mary and Joseph were not a normal couple of that day, about the same age, with their families having arranged uh, normal marriage for them as was the custom. But if we read between the lines of the Christmas story, we can see some important things about Joseph's character traits, traits that were godlike, traits that greatly influenced Jesus. For one thing, Joseph was open-minded. He was open to new ideas, and that really is a wonderful trait. What the angel said to Joseph went against everything Joseph had ever learned as he grew up, certainly went against everything he learned in the synagogue. The customs and the tradition of the Hebrews did not talk about the virgin birth of the Messiah, at least not very uh, dramatically. And so this went against, against human reasoning, to say the least. Whoever had heard or contemplated a virgin birth? The next time you hear somebody say that they have trouble believing in the virgin birth, tell them 
join the club. Mary and Joseph had a tough time believing in it too. Charles Goodyear was a man who was very open-minded. For years, he experimented trying to find a waterproof garment uh, to make for raincoats and other things. One day, he accidentally dropped some of that substance he'd been working on, soft rubber, on a stovetop. And to his amazement, the substance hardened right there before his eyes. Now that went against the science of his day. The science of his day said that if you take that watery substance and put it on a hot stove, it would just get more watery and would never harden. But his discovery meant that he could abandon what science had taught him to that point and accept the new reality of his discovery. He was an open mind. His open-mindedness led to the insulation for wiring, for tires, to Michelin, among other things. Uh, God is open-minded. God does not assume that just because a person has been an evildoer in the past that he or she will always be evil. God believes you and I can change, that anybody can change. Perhaps that is why Jesus could see things and opportunities in other people that others could not see. Jesus, you see, was open-minded. He didn't assume that a person would never change. Joseph was also a person of honor who believed that you had to protect the honor of others. In our society, people try to build up their own reputations by tearing down the honor of other people. That's especially true in the political realm. Make everybody else look bad, then maybe that person won't look so bad. But that was not how Joseph understood the term honor. He was a just man, but also an honorable man who didn't want to protect the, the good of his own name at the expense of exposing Mary to public ridicule. In fact, it was Joseph's concept of justice that caused him to want to protect Mary's good name and honor. The New International Version of the Bible reads, because Joseph was a righteous man, he was not willing to disgrace her publicly. Now his concept of honorable justice needs to be rediscovered by Christian people in our time. Honesty and love must go together for honesty to ever really be Christian in nature. Speak the truth in love, the book of Ephesians tells us. Honesty alone without love isn't very Christian. It's just plain cruel. Have you ever had someone, a good friend, who would come up to you and you kind of dreaded seeing them coming because they would always say something to you, I need to tell you something, it's the truth. And then they tell you the truth without any love and you're ripped to shreds by the time they come to the end of their sentence. The Alcoholics Anonymous organization has a statement in their bylaws and charters that I like. It says, I will always tell the truth except when to do so would be harmful to someone. One of my personal heroes, Mr. Spock from Star Trek's Live Long and Prosper, once said, it is not a lie to keep the truth to oneself. How true that is. Joseph was a righteous man, 
and his sense of justice caused him to protect other people's feelings. How like God that is. How like Jesus that is. The woman who was caught in adultery found in Jesus not only one who upheld the honor of the law, but one who protected her dignity, or that little which was left of her dignity at that moment. Thirdly, Joseph was a merciful man. Forgiveness was one of his traits. You might say, well, Mary didn't do anything wrong. There was nothing to forgive. Oh, yeah? She made a major decision without consulting her fiancé. That would stop many a marriage in our day. Mary accepted the call to a mission field without even contacting Joseph to see if he would travel along with her to that strange new place God was calling her. Joseph really needed to accept that new situation to allow acceptance and forgiveness to go down so deep down inside of his heart that he would never resent Mary and her decision or resent the child that he was being given. He needed to be able to embrace both of them, Jesus and Mary. So Joseph was a forgiving man, and how like our Heavenly Father that is. God is always willing to forgive and forget. As far as the east is from the west, we are told, that's how far God removes iniquity from us. And if you know anything about uh, geology and geography and all that, there is an unmeasurable distance east to west. You never can stop going east. You never stop going west. You can go north till you start, stop and start going south. But you can never go too far to the east because it keeps going. Some years ago, I learned that the word blessed meant reddened with blood, anointed or covered by blood. The word comes from the practice of blood sacrifices being offered in the temple to cover sins. The angel, you know, declared Mary to be blessed, covered with blood, the protection of God. She was covered. This was a foretaste of what Jesus would do for all of us upon the cross. He blessed us. He reddened us as if with blood, covering our iniquity. Fourthly, Joseph was courageous. That's my courage picture. He accepted God's challenge even though he knew that it would not be an easy thing. He would be willing to take upon himself Mary's stigma. Now when somebody gossiped about Mary and the state of her health as she began her life in marriage, Joseph would be the one who shared that blame. He bore her apparent sin. How like Jesus that was who bore our sin. Joseph stood by Mary, even when it meant running away down to Egypt, away from King Herod. He was a man of great resources and courage, not wealth, but mental and spiritual resources. He bore our sins. He taught Jesus to bear our sins as well. He took our stigmas upon himself. Whenever the gossips talked about those sinners over there, Jesus made his way over there to those sinners 
and sat down with them and was found eating and drinking and teaching them, he shared their blame. He stood by them. He stood by us when it meant not fleeing in the face of a cross, when it meant dying and descending to hell for us. Joseph was also an obedient man. Why did Joseph do what he did? Because he loved God and God needed him to be obedient. And that is what he was. Some time ago, way back when I was in seminary, I heard the story from my preaching professor about a homeless man who was found and carried to the hospital in deathly condition. They had no identity for him, no way of knowing who he was. All he had was a, a torn newspaper article in his coat pocket. And they found that it was a story about a soldier in Korea. So they contacted that soldier and they flew him home and they said, your daddy needs you, he's dying. The, 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 the soldier walked into the hospital room and the old dying man looked up and said, son, and embraced him. For several hours, the Marine held the old man's hand until the man died, smiling and at peace. The nurse came in to talk to the soldier and he said, we need to know your father's full name for the death certificate. And the soldier responded, I don't know his name. I've never seen him before. The nurse was amazed. He wasn't your father? Then why did you stay with him? She asked. The Marine responded, because he needed me. Why did Joseph obey God? Because God needed him. Mary needed him. Jesus even needed him. One of Jesus' traits was obedience. Jesus was obedient even unto death. When Jesus died on the cross and people asked why, God answered, because you needed him. So Joseph ranks right up there, I think, in there with other heroes of the faith, David, Noah, Abraham, Solomon, and others. He influenced Jesus with his traits of honor, love, mercy, courage, open-mindedness, and obedience. And because of Joseph, Jesus learned what he must do for us. God's only begotten son like, was like his heavenly father, his earthly mother, his earthly father, the only forgotten one. Amen. I invite you to stand as together we affirm our faith in God using the words of the Apostles' Creed. I believe in God the Father Almighty. invite the ushers to help us now as we worship God as we make our morning offering.
stand and sing with us? that never forgot Joseph, and that was God. So may you go in peace, realizing that though you may feel unnoticed, God notices everything you do in his service, and follow that example, and let the world know that Jesus is Lord. Amen. Go tell it on the mountain,
great week.